0: Welcome, everyone, to episode 96 of the 25 Live. My name is Jim Bernica. I've got three other special guests with you today. I've got Neil McMillan, Ottawa Firefighters Local. What number is it? I should know. 102. I've got uh, 162. I can't even read my notes. But uh, Kyla Bennett from Peer Public Employees for Environmental Research. And Sean Mitchell, Deputy Chief, Nantucket Fire Department greetings to you all how are you
1: doing well thanks doing
0: well. jim all right so Happy let's just you. let's just get right to it i like to start with how we got here to begin with and for that i'm going to tag in my friend sean mitchell and of course at this time i believe he gets he's got his radio on he's at work wait till that, I dispatch, about ends. that. Wait till that dispatch ends and then you can start
2: uh Thanks, Jim. Um, so my name is Sean Mitchell. I'm the uh, newly promoted, I guess, deputy chief here at the Nantucket Fire Department. Um, but up until about a week ago, I was representing the Nantucket Firefighters Local 2509 Union on some health and safety matters, um, and in particular, our turnout gear. And so about a year and a half ago, my uh, union decided that we wanted to look for safer alternatives to the turnout gear that we were wearing at that time. And the main reason for that is we had some recently retired firefighters, um, as well as those who had retired, uh, a little bit of a ways back, as well as a current member of our union battling some of the illnesses, uh, associated with PFAS exposure. And the current member uh, is back at work now, but he was out of work for quite a bit of time uh, being treated for a testicular cancer. And I think as a lot of us know, that is one of the main uh, cancers linked to PFAS exposure. So our plan was that when uh, he w- eventually would come back to work, we would be able to get him into safer gear. some gear that did not contain PFAS chemicals that likely uh, either caused or contributed to his testicular cancer. And our town was on board right away. They agreed to replace our turnout gear. Um, And the problem became we had to find out where to get the safer PFAS free gear. And uh, through some time and some effort and some research, we eventually found out that that does not exist. So every set of turnout gear in use today Uh, contains PFAS chemicals, both um, in the moisture barrier. So they're all made using PTFE or Teflon in the moisture barrier. And up until very, very recently, every set of turnout gear is made with durable water repellent finish on the outer shell that uh, uses a lot of PFAS. Um, So at the moment we do not have the PFAS free gear that we were uh, initially seeking. So over time, we decided that we wanted to try to make some change and see how we could um, come about getting into safer gear. And eventually that led us to the IAFF convention back in January. And so our union here in Nantucket, along with the Fall River, uh, Massachusetts Firefighters Union and their president, Jason Burns, we submitted together a resolution at the last convention and it was resolution 28 titled toxic chemicals and PPE and basically, the idea behind that was to begin to uh, push the IAFF to educate firefighters on PFAS, uh, what they are, where they're found, how to minimize or and hopefully eliminate our exposure to them, um, and also to separate the IAFF from the industry because the industry has this decades long playbook uh, that they use to sort of infiltrate organizations like the IAFF, the NFPA, um, and basically continue to operate as they wish, which is making billions and billions of dollars uh, without really much care for what they're doing to us as humans and to the environment. And so they've been obviously very successful at that and so we we wanted to separate the IFF from the industry and um, not allow them to come to. conventions uh, to speak at uh, cancer symposiums and things like that to advertise in our magazines, uh, because that creates doubt and we, we see that today we see a lot of firefighters that. Um, you know, when you hear about PFAS or an issue with your turnout gear you reach out to the manufacturers and they are quick to tell you that there's nothing to worry about and everything is safe and the chemicals they use are safe uh, but they really don't have any any factual evidence to back that up um, although they'll try um, so at the convention our resolution uh, ultimately passed and it was uh, pretty overwhelming it was 99 percent in favor and one percent against and along with our resolution there was another one resolution 31 which also addressed uh, PFAS chemicals and turnout gear. And that also passed 99% to 1%. Um, so, you know, we now, after some time, we have the IAFF on our side and uh, helping us to sort of fight to make this change. Um, and it's still an uphill battle. And um, I think that's what's led us all here today to this conversation um, the next step.
0: I remember having conversations with you, Sean, uh, when those resolutions pass and how they passed, because we really didn't, we just didn't know how, how, how are our firefighters, our, our members going to react to this. And, and, and when we saw that, he said, all right, they're, they've got it, you know, And and I think we celebrated for maybe a minute and then we decided, we really thought about it. Well, what's next? What do we have to do? What's, you know this battle is not over uh, we you know, this war is not over we won that battle where else we get from here and the logical answer was NFPA and to do that we realized we had to do a what's called a TIA and uh, with that I want to bring Kyle in because she helped write that.
1: Thanks Jim so yeah so What we discovered um, once we realized that the IAFF was just one battle in a much longer war, was that the NFPA standard 1971, um, which is a light degradation test for the moisture barrier of turnout gear, you can't pass that test unless it's PFAS. So there's no way for a fire station like CHOMS in Nantucket or anyone else to purchase PFAS-free gear because PFAS-free gear can't pass this test. So we started looking into the test itself to see, is it necessary? Is it really doing what they say it's doing for us? And what we realized is that this light degradation test is kind of meaningless. Um, It's all based on a master's thesis from a student 21 years ago, um, who allegedly looked at these new and old turnout gear to determine that UV light was causing degradation and the breakdown of these things, which was endangering firefighters. But when you actually read the thesis, which we just got a few days ago, nobody has seen it. It's been like... Hidden away in a library for 21 years. Um, once we read it, we realized that indeed it didn't show that UV light is responsible for the degradation of turnout gear. It's unclear what is doing it, but it could be heat, it could be laundering, it could be abrasion, it could be partially UV light, it could be a combination of all of those things. I mean, Clothing breaks down eventually when it's exposed to the elements and particularly for firefighters who are exposed to all sorts of chemicals. Um, But the bottom line is that this test in NFPA standard 1971 doesn't really do anything to protect firefighters as far as we can see. So for us, the next step was trying to try to get that, get rid of that test um, so that manufacturers could offer PFAS-free gear. It wouldn't, removal of this test from the standard, from the NFPA standard is not going to make PFAS in gear illegal. What it, all it does is allow the manufacturers of turnout gear to think about making gear that doesn't contain PFAS to see if it pass all, passes all of these other tests. And that's all we're trying to do right now. Um, so that's where we are. We lost the first vote, but we're cautiously optimistic that we can convince the good firefighters who are on the NFPA committees that this is something that needs to happen.
0: We lost the first vote, but in, in fairness, not a lot of not everybody voted either. So we have a another a vote coming up Wednesday, the 14th. And from that, you know, we'll be going to the standard council meeting, uh, sounds like probably August 25th, but uh, then the main thing that we're going to talk to you about as well here, and, and I'll get to that momentarily is the public comment. Cause that's where all of you can actually help. And that's going to be up until August 4th. So Neil tag you in, um, there's a lot of different concerns, um, and, and rightfully so getting rid of this test, you know, um, firefighters are worried about getting steam burned. They're worried about um, their gear being too hot. They're worried about regrettable substitutions. You know, you've looked a lot into the alternatives that are now out there. Uh, again, it's been 21 years since this study was written. Uh, could you kind of go in and, and, kind of talk about what is out there now how we've ad- advanced
3: yeah sure and uh, thank you, Jim um yeah I mean I, I don't disagree uh you know uh, bunker gear has evolved from from a place where you know when we got into the whole ensemble away from the uh, three-quarter length jacket uh there was a few wrinkles um and a few hiccups uh with respects to materials um and longevity of that gear um, and when there was um, a lot of discussions with respects to uh, polyurethane um, in use as part of moisture barrier, um, you know, there was, uh, there was some concerns about breathability, about, um, you know, sweat being able to um, dissipate from uh, within that uh, bunker gear ensemble and uh, the buildup of metabolic heat, um, you know, uh, affecting firefighters um, and putting them at higher risk of cardiovascular incident. Um, But, I mean, what I've been seeing um, as far as developments in this area, um, for the most part is involved uh, different fabrics um, and lattices and films, uh, but uh, a couple of note are like polyurethane, uh, sorry, electrospun or nanospun polyurethane, um, which can be combined with other um, types of um, material in a laminate, like a nylon 66 uh, hybrid, um, also electrospun. Um, There's also uh, all sorts of testing uh, involved with uh, some of these products, um, both for waterproofing and water resistance, as well as breathability, and from what I've seen, the uh, moisture vapor uh, transition rates of some of these uh, electrospun uh, polyurethanes exceed what's currently available with uh, PTFE, uh, the Teflon alternative, which we currently have in our moisture barrier, and they seem very customizable. Um, the methods of manufacture of these um, textiles, the like comb textiles, um, is very modifiable. Um, so you can kind of, um, you know, uh, it's like baking a cake, you can get the recipe you'd like and the results you like with respects to uh, breathabil- breathability. And, and I would see uh, it as being like a real revolution in uh, modifying um, your tender, TPE, uh, to match, you know, your TPP with your breathability. And ensuring that, uh, obviously, that the uh, full ensemble is still meeting all the other NFPA testing um, that protects firefighters, um, you know, from exposure to different, uh, you know, solvents, uh, polar, non-polar solvents, uh, acids. Um, You know, some of the uh, hydraulic uh, fluids I know in the past that's been, uh, or still currently is phosphate esters. and, uh, and obviously as well um, some of these DWRs that may be used in conjunction with this moisture barrier um, for the most part can contain again PFAS free alternatives yeah, that are either silicone or wax based. Um, so yeah, there's I, I see this as a real opportunity um, to allow for some innovation to get kick started in this area and allow firefighters from across more than one nation <laughs> Uh, to tailor their tenders uh, to their environment, their climate, their conditions, um, without having that risk of some of those fluorinated compounds. Um, there's certain uh, exposures to PFAS that we, we as firefighters, can't avoid. You know, whether it's in wiring and cuts and, and membranes and building constituents as they burn. Uh, but when we have the opportunity to allow for a choice um, to limit those voluntary, unnecessary exposures to PFAS given the bioresidency that uh, the exhibit, um, I think we should all be jumping on board. And I'm, I'm a big cheerleader as you can tell, and hopefully uh, we'll get a lot of uh, good public comment um, from end users um, who ultimately are gonna be the ones wearing this.
0: Perfect, thank you, Neil. I, you know, I guess the whole idea too is right now the manufacturers have no incentive to change the way they're doing business if we're able to remove this test now all of a sudden they have that green light, they can do their research and development and they can come up with these safe alternatives that are truly vetted and give us the option to have fluorine free gear, PFAS free gear, instead of, you know, what we have right now. And it may not be instant, but at least we will be able to start the process. So with that, I'll tag Sean back in. Let's talk about uh, the website that we all kind of worked on. You want to plug the website and, and kind of talk about that, please?
2: Sure. So um, this website uh, is, I think people will be surprised at how quickly it was put together because it is uh, pretty impressive with the amount of information um, that, it, that it has. And it's, so it's PFASfree, dot com. So that's P F A S. F R E E P P E dot com, and uh, that was created by our friends at the Nantucket PFAS Action Group. Uh, Aisha and Jamie put that together very quickly to um, have one place to go to to not only learn more about PFAS um, and turnout gear and look at some some relevant research uh, on this issue, but it also addresses the TIA. Which, uh, as as you've said, is currently open for public comment. And although there already has been the vote by the technical committee, and there's another one to come, uh, eventually this will be likely decided by the the overall standards council of the NFPA. And uh, from what we're told, public comment uh, weighs pretty heavily on their decision. And typically, these TIA's. Uh, Don't get many public comments, uh, you know, maybe a handful from what we've heard on other TIAs in the past, so we're hoping to spread the word and to get as many uh, comments from firefighters, researchers, um, families of firefighters, cancer survivors, people who have dealt with PFAS exposure and know about it and know uh, the truth about it and not, not the industry's truth but the actual truth and put that in writing and send it to the NFPA so that they know how we feel about it. Um, And as we did with the IAFF, we were able to spread the word and uh, it was pretty convincing the way that those resolutions uh, were handled at the convention. And uh, I think we need to do the same thing here with the NFPA and and let them know a couple things. One, we want to let them know that we don't want PFAS in our gear anymore. Uh, two, we want to let them know that our eyes are open and we know, uh, that we need to pay more attention to the way that these standards are constructed because, uh, it appears that the industry, uh, has been able to write these standards for a very long time. And there hasn't been much public comment, obviously there hasn't been much involvement from the fire service, uh, and it's time to change that because we're the ones at the end of the day who get stuck uh, at, um, with, with being forced to follow these standards. And it's written by people who, uh, in some cases, um, are not putting our health and safety first. So, um, you know, whether this ultimately passes or fails, and obviously we hope it passes, uh, I think the, the secondary important thing here is that we we send the word to the NFPA, to the industry, to the people that sit on these committees that we're going to be watching what they're doing. And uh, we're we're going to be vocal about it.
0: Perfect. Thank you, Sean. Now, Kyla, for those public input comments, um, you know, NFPA does not like form letters. They want it to be original. They want it just to be you know your concerns. What what should be some of these concerns that individuals write for their public comments?
1: Well, I think there's a number of of things that people could put in their comment letters. One is, um, I think it's important to stress the emergency nature of this. We are alleging with the TIA that um, it's an emergency, and the reason it's an emergency is that in 2019. of online firefighter deaths were from cancer. So we've got more firefighters dying from cancer than we do dying from burns. Um, The other point that's really important is that this test that we're trying to remove doesn't do anything. In other words, this light degradation test simply um, measures whether UV light is going to degrade the material but the the part of the turnout gear that it's testing is never sees the light of day so um, it really is illogical the test is illogical the study on which it was based is flawed so the other important point that i think people need to raise is that this is not if we if the votes are yes, if they do indeed get rid of this light degradation test, it doesn't ban PFAS from turnout gear. Jim, earlier you said when you were introducing this topic that um, there's no impetus for the industry to do this. It's It goes beyond that. It's not just that they don't have an impetus to create PFAS-free gear. They can't create PFAS-free gear, it would be a waste of their money to do so right now. Because because of this flawed test, all gear has to contain PFAS. So it would be a waste of their time and money to develop a PFAS-free gear, even though we know, as Neil said, that, that science has come such a long way in the past 21 years, that there are alternatives out there that will work probably better than what we have. So if you still wanna put PFAS in your gear, you're still gonna be able to buy it. All we're doing is allowing the manufacturers to make a PFAS free gear for those who want it. That's all this, this TIA does. And if you can't see your way to open up the market that way, to have innovation, I don't know what the problem is because we're really, we're not banning anything. We're not making anything illegal. We're not putting anybody in danger All we're doing is saying, let industry try to develop something new. That's all we're saying.
0: All right, perfectly said. Now, Neil, brother, I'm just gonna hand it off to you and say, take us home. No pressure.
3: (laughs) Thanks, Jim. Um, No, as I said, you could probably tell um, I'm buoyed by this excitement. Um, The opportunity for public comment doesn't come around often. Um, For many, for most NFPA standards, um, here we are, you know, the door is open, it's going to allow us, um, you know, if we're able to pressure NFPA to do what's right and um, vote in favor of this TIA to remove this UV light test. um, It opens the door um, for healthier alternatives, it opens the door for more choice for firefighters. Um, and I think it's really accomplishing what the membership, all you know, 324,000 uh, professional firefighters from across North America have already said they want you know, with, the, um, with their voting uh, as represented in those two IFF resolutions. Um, so yeah, I, all I can do is really encourage everybody um, to please make some public comment, um, let the NFPA know what your wishes are. Um, if you need to do any more digging, go to the website, Pfas free, uh, PPE. A lot of resources there can help guide your decision, um, and uh, that's about it. So, uh, so thanks. Everyone.
0: Perfect. I also think, of course, we should thank the person who actually signed this because it wasn't any of us. It was General President Ed Kelly for the IFF, and when he signed that thing, it wasn't just his signature. It was about three hundred twenty-four thousand and some change that signed this. So. Again, going back to Sean's resolutions and the Florida resolutions, 99% of those members wanted to get rid of this stuff. So he's, he's working on behalf of our membership and the firefighters across the U.S. and Canada to actually get something done, to have an alternative to just reduce our exposures. This is, at this point, and really at all points, it's unnecessary. We have enough different exposures out there. We don't need our own gear to be a carcinogen. So with that, I thank all of you. And once again, www.pfastfreeppe.com, And let us know if you have any questions. Take care.